Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're talking about the kingdom of God. This was the topic that Jesus spoke about more than anything else. Nearly all of his parables are about the kingdom of God. Every time it talks about Jesus preaching and doing things, it says he preached the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and he healed the sick and he cleansed the lepers or raised the dead or cast out demons. But the kingdom of God was Jesus's message. And in Matthew 24, he says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nationality and then the end will come. The disciples picked up the same message and throughout the book of Acts, we see Paul and Philip preaching the kingdom of God. And the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is a major, major theme in the Bible. So we're looking at it. In the first week, we looked at what is the gospel of the kingdom. In the second week, we looked at the major Old Testament mention of the kingdom of God. The phrase, the kingdom of God, does not appear in the Old Testament. And in Daniel, we get the idea that it's only going to be instituted from Jesus onwards. Jesus said the same thing. He said, up until John the Baptist, it was the law and the prophets, but since then it's been the kingdom of God. And he said that whoever's least in the kingdom of God is greater than all of the Old Testament heroes, including John the Baptist, who was the greatest. So we see this major, major change happening with Jesus and this major idea called the kingdom of God. But today I want to talk about the king himself and his kingdom because it's not just a theory. It's not just about ideas and concepts and principles and power. It's actually about a person, a king, Jesus, and his kingdom. And we want to see what is that kingdom like? You say, why are you telling me this? Imagine you were moving country and you want to research the country that you're moving into. You want to know what is that country like? What are the laws? What is life like in that country? Is it a nice place to live? And you want to know about the government. What are they like? What are their structures and principles? And so we want to tell you now about the kingdom of God and the king himself so that you can see, do I want to be part of this kingdom? And am I already part of this kingdom? Now, there are so many places we could look to describe the kingdom of God. And I don't have time in this short message to go through all of them. So what I want to do is jump right to the end. Revelation 21. The kingdom of God is also called the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, heaven is not the whole of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God came to earth. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So heaven came to earth with Jesus, not entirely, but to a degree. But heaven is the closest picture we can have to what the kingdom of God is like. Because Jesus said, pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. That was his definition. God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm going to read a few verses. You'll appreciate that because of time, we have to just limit ourselves to a small passage. But let's read from Revelation 21. A few verses. We're looking at heaven, the kingdom and the king. 
And then after that, if I have time, I'll look at the king himself. So Revelation 21, John the Apostle is having a vision of heaven. And it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So the first thing about this kingdom is it's new. You don't just clean up your old life, the old things. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is new. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. We're going to see. He says that in a moment. Verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. These are unusual word pictures. He's speaking of a city and a bride. And he's putting the two together. But the next verse, verse 3, says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle or the fellowship of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So this idea of a bride and a city speaks of fellowship, of family, of unity, of relationship. The kingdom of God is about relationship, and God the King is the center of that relationship. It's a bit like in a city, the, the city hall or the main city center is the thing that everything revolves around. In heaven, it revolves around God. It's a city, but it's a bride as well, because each person has an intimate, loving, close, committed a passionate relationship with the king. And so it's a bride and a city and it's about relationship. God will be with them. They will be his people. He will be their God. This phrase comes again and again throughout the Bible where God says, my heart is for you to be my people and for me to be your God. Relationship. The kingdom of God is about relationship. Verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Old things have passed away. The regrets have passed away. Your sins that caused you pain, caused others pain, and caused you consequences of sin. All of those, those former things have passed away. The effects of our ancestors sin you know all the way back to adam and eve we are paying the price in planet earth for the sins of the human race the world has gone off track and everything that goes wrong is the result of humanity's sin not necessarily your sin but we all pay the price for each other's sin we live in a fallen world and he says those former things have passed away and therefore there is no more death no more sorrow no more crying wow you know, Romans 14 uh, speaks of the kingdom of God. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness means living right and as we are supposed to. Peace and joy. Peace. I don't have to be stressed. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to worry and I don't have to fear. And joy. There's not regret. There's not pain. There's not sickness there's not fear of a future disaster righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit let me read that verse to you again god will wipe away every tear from their eyes this is describing 
our home, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It has come upon you. And he demonstrated it. Do you remember when he forgave people? The woman who was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. She was so ashamed. She'd been caught in adultery and the whole town had come not just to accuse her, but to kill her. Jesus comes and stands next to her. He's willing to stand with the one who's condemned against the crowd who want to shame her. And he says, neither do I condemn you. When he had shamed all the rest, he said, who of you has no sin? And they all left one by one. He said, neither do I condemn you, woman. Now go and sin no more. That's the, that's the release of, of pain and sin. That's, that's this verse. No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. When Jesus healed people, the, the man with leprosy came and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I am willing. Be made clean. Uh, Jesus fed people. He provided when it, whenever there was a need. Peter comes to him. He says, we need to pay some tax. Jesus says, well, there'll be a, a coin in that fish's mouth. Just go and get it. There's no problem for Jesus to bring heaven to earth. He showed that he could do it. 5,000 men in a crowd with women and children, adding up to many more than 5,000. Jesus provides the bread and the fish for them all. Jesus heals. He raises the dead. Whenever the demons are, are tormenting people, Jesus casts them out with a word. Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus rebukes the fever. Fever, what are you doing here? The kingdom of heaven is here. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. And the fever leaves. Can you see a description of the kingdom of heaven? No more death, no more sorrow or crying, no more pain for the former things. The former things have passed away. <laughs> They've passed away. They've been washed away. They're gone. Verse 5, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. He said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. This verse is echoing what Jesus said in John 7, verse 37 and 38. Jesus went to the Feast of Tabernacles. And when there were so many people around him, he stood up and he shouted out in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from his inmost being. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. And it says here in heaven, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. There's no thirst in heaven. There's a, a river of the, of the river of life running down the center of the city. And there's trees on either side. The trees have leaves on which are for healing and the, the river of the water of life brings life forevermore and healing. Amazing. He who overcomes, verse 7, shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. There's this relationship. Now, why am I saying all this? You may have picked this up already, but I am hinting at the fact that Jesus brought the kingdom, that future kingdom that otherworldly kingdom. You know, there's a song called Another Time and Another Place. 
And I remember when I was a young man, my sister's fiance was killed just three weeks before their marriage. He was a pilot and he was killed in an air crash. And I mourned. It, it was such a disaster for our family. I, I couldn't process this death. And a song came out by Sandy Patty called Another Time and Another Place. And it talked about, I've heard there is a land beyond the reach of man where every tear will be erased, but it must be in another place. So I'm waiting for that other time, that other place. And that is the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus said, here it is. He showed it. He described it. He preached it and he lived it. And what I'm hinting at, my dear friend, is that we can have a taste of that other kingdom. You know, in Luke 17, Jesus said, don't look around and say the kingdom of God is there or the kingdom of God is in that location because it's within you. The kingdom of heaven is different. In John 18, verse 36, Pilate, the Roman governor, is quizzing Jesus. He says, are you a king? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's from another time and another place. Because if it was, we would have fought. We would have been having a physical war. Um, it's not of this world. And Pilate eventually says, I see nothing wrong with this man. Set him free. But the crowds asked for him to be crucified. And so there's this idea of a kingdom from another realm, another dimension, another place, another time that is being shown to us. You know, in Ecclesiastes, it says God has put eternity in the hearts of men. There is this need within you and me for this other kingdom. C.S. Lewis said, if I have a need for food, God put it there because food can be found. If I need, have a need for relationships, for family, for whatever it is, there is something in me that God put in me because there is that thing. I just need to find it. And if I find in myself a need for another time and another place where there is justice, there isn't crime and, and unfairness, where there is healing instead of death and sorrow. If I find this need within myself, it shows that that exists. But where is it? How do I find it? Do I have to wait until I die? Do I have to search for it in substances and drugs and, and different ways of living that are not good for me? Or is there a way to find it here and now? And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And yet, we see in Psalm 110, 1 Corinthians 15, Hebrews, various places in the Bible, it talks about the kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully here. We're still living in a realm, in a world where evil things happen, where people have free will and they choose against God many, many times, where there is an enemy, the devil, still running around. The Bible says we belong to God, but the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Jesus called the devil the ruler of this world. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul calls him the God of this world or the God of this age. And so we're living in this dual kingdom situation where the kingdom of God has come within people who see Jesus as their king. And we have a taste of that heaven here and now. Let me just read you a passage from Hebrews chapter 12 to try and give you an understanding. And then I will talk more about the king 
himself. But in Hebrews 12, it says, verse 18, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire. In the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai, and it was a physical mountain, physical tablets of stone. There was a physical demonstration of clouds and lightning and an earthquake, and a voice was heard and trumpets, and it describes that. But it says you... Christian, have not come to something that can be touched. It's not a physical kingdom. You have not come to a mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, to blackness, darkness, tempest, the sound of a trumpet, the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. He says, you've not come to something physical that can be heard, seen, touched. But then he says in verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion. You have come. If we're a Christian, we have already come to this other kingdom, but we're still living in the worldly kingdom. And there's this duality for the rest of our lives. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Ah, but I thought that city that he described in Revelation 21 was only after I die, was only in the future. No, you have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. You have come to this, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You have come to this already, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Just men made perfect. You say, I'm not a just person. I'm not made perfect. He says in your spirit, the spirits of just men, in your spirit, you have eternity inside you. You have the kingdom of heaven in you if you believe in Jesus and your spirit is already in heaven, seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, you have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. You have come to that place of no more crying, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more regret, no more sin. A relationship, close relationship, a bride with her husband, with God. You have come to that place. And yet we still have to live out the rest of our days in this physical world. Wow, that is the challenge for us as believers. Just one more verse before I quickly speak of the king himself. And that is 2 Corinthians 5. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. And it's the exact same language that Revelation 21 uses, speaking of heaven. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. A new heaven and a new earth, a new creation. He says, if you are in Christ, you are already that in your spirit. Just before that, he says, we don't look at people as fleshly beings anymore because it's about your spirit. And he says, you are a new creation. So what is the king like? Well, Jesus is the best picture of this king, but he represents God the Father. Let me just read you a couple of verses. Colossians 1 verse 15 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus came to show us God. And when we see Jesus, we see God. Hebrews 1 verses 2 and 3 says the same thing, that he is the brightness of God's glory. He came to show us what God is like. And Jesus showed love, compassion, truth. 
The best summary is where it says in John chapter 1 that he was full of grace and truth. Grace means kindness, love, mercy, um, just a smile on your face. But truth means there is an element of truth as well, full of grace and truth. How can grace and truth mix together? Surely you're either truthful and a, and a judge of what is right and wrong, or you're kind and forgiving. No, in Jesus, the two meet together. Justice and mercy have kissed, the Bible says. So let me read you now the, the name that God gave himself. In Exodus 34, Moses says, God, I want to know you. I want to see your glory. And God says, I will pass before you and I will tell you my name. And by telling you my name, you will know who I am, the king. We've looked at what the kingdom is like, where God rules and reigns and his will is done. But what is the king like? What is his character? Is he changeable and fickle? Can he be trusted? Is, he, is it possible to understand who he is? Listen to Exodus 34. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So he starts off by saying, his name is the Lord, the Lord God. And that word Lord is Yahweh. It's an unusual Hebrew word, and it's linked to the Hebrew word Hayah, which means I am, because in Exodus 3, God said to Moses, I am who I am is, has sent you. My name is I am. And then he used the word Yahweh as well. They're, they're closely linked. Yahweh is his name, and it's linked to this idea of I am who I am. I am all-encompassing. I never change. I'm in the eternal present. I am everything. I am who I am. God, the eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God. That's part of who this king is. He goes on to say, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. He longs to forgive, to love, full of grace, full of kindness, full of mercy. When he sees sin, he wants to heal the sin. When he sees the consequences of sin, the, the damage and the sickness and the death that, that is caused, he wants to heal it and he wants to find the solution. In verse 7, it says, keeping mercy for thousands. Is that thousands of people? No, it's thousands of generations. Keeping mercy for thousands of generations on. He wants to find a way of instituting mercy and forgiveness that just goes on and on and on and doesn't stop every now and again. Forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. He wants to forgive. He wants to find a way to clear and forgive and take away the sin, the penalty and the consequences of that sin. But he's just as well. He's full of grace and truth. There's justice in God. He sets up a world where he says, choose me, know me and you will have life. But I give you the choice to choose against me, but there will be consequences and I will not distance myself from those consequences. I will tell you in advance by saying there is a punishment for sin. By no means clearing the guilty. There is justice with God. 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. That word generation is not in the original language. So he says he wants to give mercy to thousands, but until Jesus comes, there is this visiting of iniquity to the third and the fourth. Can you see how his mercy is thousands, but the justice only lasts to the third and the fourth? Because there is a justice in this world where if people sin others, their children pay the price for, for generations. And God said, justice and mercy are going to meet together. Grace and truth are going to meet together in Jesus. And Jesus came and he said, I will pay for the sin of the whole world. I will show you how justice and mercy can meet together by taking the penalty and then by passing that forgiveness onto you. Now, my friend, do you know this king? Do you know him? Because the kingdom of God is not just about ideas and concepts and principles for life. The kingdom of God is about a king. And if you know him, if you see Jesus dying on the cross and you realize he's dying for you, not just for other people or for an idea. He's dying for you. He has you in his heart and in his mind. Your sins, past, present, and future, are on his mind, and he is paying the price. Although he doesn't deserve to, he's paying the price for my sin and for yours. And he says, look, I am kind, gracious, compassionate. I want to give mercy, but I will tell you the truth. There is a punishment for sin, but I will take it. Now, will you accept me as your king, as your Lord, as your sovereign? Will you say, God, I love you and I will serve you. I won't be the boss of my life anymore. I won't drive this car anymore. Lord, you tell me what to do and I will live for you for the rest of my life. When that happens, the Bible says we have entered into the kingdom of God. The Bible says he's taken us out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of the son that he loves. He's moved us across already. We still live in this other world, this kingdom ruled by the devil. But inside of us, the kingdom of God is there. And all that joy and peace starts to work itself out of us and to those around us. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my king. Thank you for showing me the kingdom of God. Thank you for showing me your character and the character of the Father. Lord, I believe in you. I believe you died and bled for my sins. And I thank you for paying the price. For my sins. I receive that forgiveness and I ask you to make me brand new today and I will live in your kingdom for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.